0: Welcome everybody to Black Coffee and Theology. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I, I'm Robert Monson, and I'm joined by the lovely. Come on, Rose J. Percy. Hey. hey. Percy. <laughs> hey I. Just recording with you always feels so delightful. I could have the worst week. And I'm like, oh, but at least i'm a, I'm a sit down with Rose though. <laughs> like, and this week was rough. so hey, how how art thou? How are you doing on this fine uh, day?
1: Well, I, I could say the same. I know for me, this past week was busy, and I don't like being busy. i it gets it gets me upset. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I know I need to be in order to like do all of the things I have to do to pay the bills. I didn't get paid and whatever. But when I don't have enough time for myself to reflect and just kind of like lay low, I don't feel like myself. And so talking to you feels generative and life-giving. So that's how I'm doing. Yeah.
0: I love it. friend. I mean, I don't like the busyness that that's exactly how my week was and being busy is not attractive to me. Like, I, like it's not sexy to me. I'm not, ooh, how can I add more stuff into my life? Like, that's not me. <laughs> Those
1: people uh, who glorify the hustle. I'm yeah. I'm praying for you all. I'm
0: serious. True. Grind culture is not for me. It is not for uh, Before we get started, I want... I'm going to surprise you with something. I want you to give us a little taste of why you write on Substack, what your Substack is about. You got so many beautiful writings on there. Just tell the people, just give us a little something, you know?
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is a surprise. Yes. Um put me on the spot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess my my why What's interesting is like I feel like I've been writing online in different ways for like 15 years ish and my writing has evolved during that time and my understanding of who I'm writing for and to has shifted and changed during that time um, and there was a season of my life where it felt like I was growing into my voice. And it felt that way because those who were affirming what I was writing and resonating with it were predominantly white. And they were saying, I can finally understand and I can finally see, I can I can finally put these pieces together. Um, and they were saying that in responses to writings I was putting together about faith and justice Uh, that was largely catered to them because at the time my writing voice was geared in that way to make space for those who weren't able to process when they could hear it when they were hearing it from those who were you know saying it aggressively or loudly in the streets and protesting they came over to me they're like you just seem you just have a calmer way of you just have a (laughs) a way. <laughs> it's just like preaching. Way word things and I and I really wrestled with that deeply um, because what I saw happening was the my qualities personality wise were being I don't know like reflected back to me through the lens of respectability and and like I just couldn't drink that juice anymore <laughs> I couldn't drink that juice. <laughs> <It's> poisonous juice. <laughs> long story short, um, I kind of came, I mean, through the burnout and through evaluating, like, where do, where, do, where is it that I can belong? Where is it that my work is welcome, but also, like, my resting body, my joyful uh, self, the desires of my heart? Um, what community could be formed around those other parts of who I am and not just the voice that people will say like, oh, we missed your voice when you don't show up, but you didn't show up because your entire body was in pain. But this little part of you, this little sliver of you that they wanted was missing. Um, so in searching for that community and finding space to question and reevaluate my writing practices, I... I have shifted. I've shifted a lot, and I think I I I credit the project, Dear Soft Black Woman, for helping me find the language um, that makes a gentle landing my Substack page what it is now. Because if I wasn't actively writing, Dear Soft Black Woman, stating in the address who I was talking to, um, I think I think like a lot of that has helped me continually reframe. And I think what I want people to know now is that even if I'm not explicitly referencing or talking to Black women and then beyond that Black people and then beyond that people of the global majority even though it's not there like it is my implied audience always Um, and it's great when I have white readers who read the stuff and they're like this is really great and I love this for me and I'm like I'm glad you found something here I'm really great you know it's like this is my my storefront. I know my customer. I know the people I want to stumble in, but I'm not going to keep you from entering and seeing what's around, mm. and hopefully finding something for yourself. So yeah, that is a gentle landing. So thank you for um, giving me the space to talk a bit about it because I think I think that was good for me.
0: Yeah, you do go work on there. I I mean, just in the time I've known you, I've seen your writing. I don't even I wouldn't even describe it as growth. It's it's like this continued evolution and this continued like finding yourself in different ways. It's like, ooh, oh, that nugget. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> that hit different, you know. <laughs> and um, it is a gentle landing. Um, but by gentle, it doesn't mean that you don't ever rock the boat. Mm. So just because, you know, in case somebody, oh wait. There's some rage on here. Yes, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> gentle for some people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's a good segue, how you frame that in uh, our conversation today. In the grounding text, this arose before we d- started, said, uh, this, is, this is like a syllabus. This conversation. Every
1: Um, conversation we have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, (laughs) if you're taking notes, the grounding text for today's um, servant is Black Aliveness or Poetics of Being. And this is a book by Kevin Quashie. And this book was first introduced to me by Rose J. Percy, as many other books have been in my um, life. And and so we're going to be using this as a launch pad and talking about Black aliveness. Another book that I would want to lift up uh, just for you to get into that's a good conversation partner is Black Imagination. And that book is curated by Natasha Marin. But as we get into this, I just want to read a little quote and then get some thoughts from you, Rose. Um, So, uh, towards the beginning of the book, uh, Kwasi writes, and still, what I am trying to do is to write about aliveness in a Black world rather than life in the world as we know it. To write about aliveness in the aesthetic imaginary of Black thought, which might help us attend to the poetic aliveness inevitable in each Black Human being. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a breath of fresh air. Give me some thoughts either about this quote and or why this book. What resonated with you about this book and about this topic? To go deep in it, right? Like you recommended it this to me. I'm always slow with your recommendations. I I, like, I put it down, but it just takes me a minute to get to it. Uh, I was like two years (laughs) later, but here we are.
1: (laughs) You think you're slow, but you're faster than everybody. Trust me. I have friends who haven't read books I've recommended for like 10 years. And they are be like, oh my goodness, I should have read this. I'm like, yeah, you should have. <laughs>
0: yeah. When I get to, I'm like, well, now why did I wait? <laughs> <laughs> so why this book? Why Black aliveness? What does a Black world have to do with this?
1: What does you know? a Black world have to do with this? Well, um, to begin, I'm thinking back to like in the space of where my writing was in the process of of shifting and changing And one of the books I read prior to this one was Toni Morrison, um, hold on. It was called uh, Playing in the Dark. uh, And she's writing about the the white imaginary and the ways that blackness is imagined in white fiction and and, and world-making. And so much of it is just built on the lack of understanding that white folks have for the black experience, which is so, I mean, that book is so fascinating. I mean, she's exposing just like these narrative tropes that she finds. Um, and like, of course, Toni Morrison is a pioneer in a lot of ways to as, as a, as a writer for like for creating like within a black world, imagining in a black world, which is what Quashie is talking about. And so many of her uh, ways of talking about what that looks like for her to, to imagine a black world. And well, she doesn't use that language, but she would, the way that she, she battles um, with not centering the white gaze and the idea of the little white man on her shoulder that she flicks off before she writes something. And so I, I was inspired a lot by Toni Morrison in that book in particular. And so um, when I stumbled upon I don't even know how I found this book. I think it's probably like a footnote somewhere I read. Yeah, it's giving that.
0: Yeah, you're like, wait a minute. It's a little you know, rich.
1: You follow, that, you follow that little piece of thread and it's, Yes, yes, like, yes, in a world. And in those first pages where he's just like, imagine a black world. And suddenly it's like, you're given this writing prompt. And it's for me, it was like the prompt for the rest of my life. It was like, there's no, there's nothing beyond this for me. Like, this is it. Um. So I love that. And
0: can I pause you right there?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I because there's something there with imagine a black world that for some that feels scary, right? Because they imagine that the imagination of blackness is as violent <laughs> as white supremacy, right? And so, if imagine a black world does something, you know, pay attention to your body as we're talking, right? Mm-hmm. And this isn't to call anyone out, but if you're feeling anxiety hearing that prompt, that's because you don't know the generativity that can be found in that black imagination, right? What is possible as we're talking about this black aliveness, as we're talking about the, the what are what is possible, um it's not mirroring uh, white supremacy. So I just want to say that there is so much richness, so many layers to be had under just what you just said. So go ahead, I don't wanna Ooh,
1: say too much. There's so much you could say, even on that that insert parentheses statement because it's amazing to me that when Black folks have the ability to get together and begin to think, how are we becoming and how are we making ourselves um, into who we need to be for the present and for the future.
0: Yeah, you better preach, preacher. <laughs> preach the text <laughs>
1: amazing to me that that in our coming alive there is a perceived threat to the aliveness of other people um and those folk cannot see themselves in our bl- in our black world first of all like what what is hmm, let's talk about imaginaries real quick
0: <laughs> come on when i tell you i said preach preacher listen i'm gonna pass the collection plate but I ne- <laughs> say that.
1: <laughs> yes. So, um, yes, I'm a student of of theopoetics and of theopoetic scholars, and these are folks who who write about um, the imagination and who offer us metaphors and and through their works, um, not just in writing but in their living and their being, they offer us a picture of what other worldly possibilities are um alternative ways of living alternative ways of being and one of my uh, favorite theopoetic scholars um keith perry likes to say that we are all in a dominant imagination we are living in someone's idea of how things should be in the world like there is a dominant framework out there
0: that's so good
1: there is no such thing as a lack of imagination he says um, but the minute that we decide that we're not participating in some kind of world making some kind of imaginative um, or, or like some kind of like alter like alter- alterity alterity there we go alterity um, the minute we decide to give up on that project we've just submitted to living in the dominant ways like living as with things as they are and in the, the dominant frameworks that are handed to us and what kwashi does which is so and he has his own like in the, in the introduction, his own place where he is inserting a parenth- like a parenthetical statement about how, as he is writing this book, he is dealing with like, and thinking about the aftermath of the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, of George Floyd, of Breonna Taylor, of Tony McDade. So this is like, at least, you know, it's 2024. So we're about four years away from, from those instances. For him, that was like fresh on his mind, and so, so what was interesting to for me to read and to find liberation is when he says, um, "anti-blackness may be total in the world, but it is not total in a black world." So when we create the space to live there, and to create, we're not we're not saying that the violence that has been waged against us and our ability to keep going and to keep living doesn't exist in the Black world, but it's not the totality of, of who we are. Um, we get to decide that there are other questions and things that we center as we are becoming. And to me, that was powerful and liberating.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you. You almost gave us like a bird's eye view of this. And I I really appreciate that, right? Like I... I think about the idea that we are living in someone's ideals, someone's dreams, right? The way our society is. I think about what happens when those ideals are challenged. And as you were talking, it reminded me of a few years ago, uh, my brother Trey, Pastor Trey 05, for those who don't know, (laughs) a wonderful writer, author, human being, posted something on Twitter. And he talked about not working, right? And the freedom that he imagined. And, oh, he can't wait to the day where he doesn't have to work. And that it's not God's intention for us to work all our lives. And the comments (laughs) (laughs) went to hell. (laughs) And I will be honest, 99% of the comments, the vitriol was from white men. And there was this, this reaction that was happening for people as Trey was imagining a world just simply where we don't work, where we don't have to clock in, where 40 hours isn't the norm. and that was so outside of the white male imagination that there was almost violence in the comments, right? like, no, if you're you're that means you don't deserve to eat. God would not love you. God when I tell you those comments showed how bankrupt our imagination can be without grace, how bankrupt our imagination can can be without a communal care ethic. I don't subscribe to the belief that suffering has to be part of our story, that God's highest aim for the Black body is to be a workhorse, right? Like that isn't part of our imagination. And so what Trey hit a nerve on were people unable what someone said well what would we even do (laughs) i said baby (laughs) lay by the pool." the fact that you can't even imagine a life outside of clocking in and this is again why i say when people ask me what is your dream job baby (laughs) i do not dream of labor (laughs) i I never have and i never will (laughs) i don't have a dream job (laughs) um like um Laying on that couch behind me is my is my dream. Well, could you be happy there? Yes, and so all that to say is you pointing to this black world that uh, Kwashi is is pointing out for us, sketching out for us that is even beyond black brutalization and black death. We are more than that right? We're not less than that because that is part of the thread of our story, but we're more than that. Oh, absolutely. So th-
1: Ooh, when I say there was one point when, you know, I was in this white centering justice work where when people talked about me, first of all, they named somebody else and be like, oh, that's that's Stacy her hobbies are da, da 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 this is Rose her hobbies are fighting for racial justice I said what
0: <laughs> <laughs> not that being part of my byline no
1: are you kidding <laughs> you think you think this is fun for me you think this is what I this is like where I like I'm just keying over like fighting for my life and like talking about why I, my life matters like it's,
0: this is, this is not my hobby they're like on a sunday i'm like ooh <laughs> let's get some fighting for racial equality in here you know
1: it's not it's not like that absolutely it's there's so much more to us than than like dying and justifying living oh
0: yeah that's yes. a bar oh yeah, the Black imagination calls me to more, and I love that. I love Kwashi's work. I love the way that he writes about it. I love, um I can't, you know, tied within this, I just had to bring up Black imagination again. Again, okay. shout out to Rose J. Percy for putting <laughs> me on. Uh, you know, I cite Black women. So, <laughs> so I appreciate the, it. <laughs> these thoughts did not come out of nowhere. Uh, she was all my for a while to get the book. But part of the prompt that opens the book there's two things. One is to let the white gaze disappear. To close our eyes and let the white gaze disappear. Now don't get lost, you know, if if you if you're not black and you're listening to this, you're like, "Whoa, I I am white. We love you." The the white gaze has to do with white supremacy. That is different than white people. White people are beloved of God, right? White supremacy calls us to something, an imagination that is terrifying to the black body. So so there's that. And then part of the prompt is to imagine a world, and I'm gonna insert, you know, Quashi is a black world, but imagine a world where you feel safe, valued, and loved. And the book is this collection of responses of people responding to to that, where they some have said in the book, I can't even imagine in, in my very imagination, I can't imagine. I absolutely, I actually can't where I would feel all those things. And some sketch out this fictional place where they have to like, for them, it almost has to be fiction to go there. Like it's so not in my immediate surroundings. I have to go, you know, I have to get on a a big old rocket ship and fly through the skies, (laughs) little Einstein's to get there. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm thinking as you were, you were talking to
1: Rose. I, Oh, I'm just struck by the idea that like for so many of us, like the worlds of fiction are that place where we can imagine ourselves um, expanding and existing beyond the constraints we have. And I think, I mean, there's one one place we could go with like just looking at um black fantasy, sci-fi, just you know I know that's that's your bag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time, Rose. D. Ray. Do not
1: threaten me <laughs> on a Sunday morning yeah. with a
0: good time. <laughs> but go ahead, what's the other choice?
1: <laughs> um the other thing I I want to name is just like, yeah, like there's just there, there have been so many of us who who have a hard time dreaming of our futures and who struggle to, to understand like what, what is beyond this? How do we get beyond this? And when I think in terms of theology and some, I'm not going to act like I read every single theology book there is out there, but a, lot a, a, <laughs> yeah. got a, a lot of them you got a lot of masters i mean you got uh, a lot I of got, degrees i got a few degrees <laughs> but i'm thinking of just like i have this note on um just the new worlds and changing how like in kwashi um you know how like when we imagine a black world we can reimagine our ways of 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 in our relationship with space and time and i think of Uh, Dr. Willie Jennings talking about, you know, race and place in the Christian imagination. And he begins with this, with this way, like his introduction is like, he, he started this project with this like yearning in his heart to understand, like, what was off about like white Christianity and what was off about like his sense of himself becoming as a young preacher and scholar, um, yet like feeling this distance in community with his white peers in, in scholarship and in the church and all of that. And this unfolding that he does in his work and in other in other spaces always talking about and giving us language to name what was wrong and what was happening. And, and so like so much of that language um, was shaped and born out of like what, you know, like Dr. Du, uh, du Bois would call like Double consciousness, yeah. and like there is a there is a world of of that, and in black scholarship, I feel like you know like the way they say like you know all the philosophy is like footnotes on Plato. I feel like so much of like black like f- philosophizing and trying to understand blackness and all of that could be like footnotes on just like uh, uh, on like Du Bois talking about double consciousness because we're all just like oh my gosh something there. We got to figure out what is the problem. What is the problem? We keep trying to figure out what the problem is, and something about imagining black world says like you are never a problem to begin with. Let's get back there. Um, and something about that feels good to me. Like something I I want to, as much as like I love the, the, the the vein of going towards like the futurist and like alternative world making and fantasy. There's something in me that says, go back and retrieve that that place where you were never a problem, you were never to blame, and bring that back to where you are now and let that shape your life going forward. I think we could do both, but I definitely wanna emphasize the latter.
0: Yeah, I listen, I love that. I, you know, and so you're, so you prompted this thought on both fantasy and this project of re- reclamation and, and weaving a story in fiction. And, and the other thing I was thinking as you were talking, poetry does that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like poetry and the poets. Um, and so I want to hit the poetry in a second, you know, cause you that, that's your bag. And <laughs> then so, but I want to say something to the fantasy and the fiction. Like, as you were talking, I, I was transported back into, you know, my mind as a little Robert, uh, pretty chubby. A lot of chubby. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was a very chubby boy. Uh, very shy. I was so afraid to talk. And I think some of the elements that you named and what some of the work that Kwashi does and Morrison and so many to do, do, I think I was hungry for a world where I where I could be alive. I think, I think it's just that simple. And I did not see it in my everyday life. And so I needed to be transported to a fantasy place Mm. and I needed to go to a future where I could reside. Right. And so I needed to inhabit that one for my own safety. Like I actually in my body, I did not feel loved. I did not feel that I could Uh, expand and flourish right this you know we're talking about black aliveness right this poetics of being and fantasy was the doorway to that to young robert right and i so i could look you know at these fictional shows and i could see a starship captain you know be a black person right i could see these worlds where racism was so far behind us that we had new things to discover Mm -hmm. right and i was like i needed to go there because I needed my being, my very being, the aesthetic to be destigmatized, right? Like and I could not see around me that 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 reality. So I needed to go somewhere. I mean in 3067, you know, like that's where I needed to go, right? I needed to go to these alien worlds, um, where we were just beyond silly things. Um yeah, so that that's the first thing I was thinking. And then poetry, of course. Um, we could get into that, but yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh man, those are some beautiful thoughts and images. And I, I will say in my childhood imagination, it wasn't always like the future I wanted to see. That that wasn't where I, you know, would come alive. Like, I mean, I've always had like a very like deep internal world, but like one of my favorite places to go in my mind was like a field of sunflowers. And like that just goes on forever. Like it just kept going on. And like that's, that to me was just so beautiful and so simple and delicate. And I think I use the word delicate intentionally here because there is something about at least for me as an important piece of black world making is like reclaiming what what we think of as delicate, um, which is another synonym for soft, which brings us back to our usual conversation.
0: Listen, (laughs) say it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, But yes, like there is, I think what was, what was fascinating for me, like to contrast um then and now it's like I wasn't allowed to be delicate when I was growing up there was like like I've I feel like I've had to be strong or or like not cry or show no weakness and as as early as I can remember like four or five years old um and I think about how many of us have stories are similar to that and how seeing stories of all kinds of black bodies experiencing moments of delicacy. And I don't mean delicacy as in like little pinky up, (laughs) I mean, being like delicately held, delicately uh, able to like, to like go through life loosely held together. Like I think of how many like rom-com characters are this like scatterbrained, like blonde girl trying to get her life together everyone's like yes we're rooting for her we love her and then (laughs) when it comes to any other person we're not allowed to inhabit that space of like we are just coming together we are still figuring things out and we are worth rooting for yeah we're always I feel like we're fighting for that and not to say that we should center a particular white narrative of delicacy to exist but I just want to highlight that as a contrast
0: Mm. I want to bring um, some poets into the conversation. Uh, joining us, <laughs> um, in, in part of doing that, I want to read um, this this quote uh, in Kwashi's book uh, that someone wrote to Audre Lorde, and uh, Barbara Christian wrote. Can I say again how alive your being alive makes me feel? Wow. Can I say again how alive your being alive makes me feel. And that was written to Audre Lorde, who, come on, can we we talk about, I mean, Audre Lorde's being alive, and then even in her death, has made me feel so alive, right? And so, like, what, when we're thinking about this imagination, when we're thinking about this Blackness, this aliveness, this politics of being what does what does this aliveness call us to? Um, bring in some poetry. Bring in some thoughts. Um, what's part of this process, and what's part of the the end goal? Like, what do you think?
1: Well, as someone who has studied spiritual formation to try to answer these questions and think about them I know that there is a way of being formed under the white gaze whether we're talking about that in the literary world the world of theological thinking or the world of trying to figure out whatever it means to be holy and to live right and um and to feel whole and to feel right um yeah, and I, and I think about how, like so much of the discourse under the white gaze for black life is justifying being alive and trying to figure out how to position yourself under that gaze so that you can appear non-threatening in all of your ways of living. Um, and then I think about what it means to, to, to inhabit, um, the question June Jordan asks when she says, who look at me? And um, so I'm going to read that poem.
0: Yes. I was like, bring, bring it, bring it sister June in here. <laughs> bring it sister Jordan.
1: Yes. Uh, but I'm also thinking, so before we get to the, to, to, to that poem, like today I was thinking about Alice Walker, like being an an octogenarian now she's, you know, she's 80 years old and she coined the definition of womanism. And like, she says, she loves herself regardless. And I think like how much of her being alive in her eighties has to do with her loving herself. Um, and I think about how, and I imagine part of the project of, of building a black world, living in a black world, imagining a black world is, is trying to find a way to look at yourself and to look at each other under that gaze of love. That's
0: um, all good Rose so
1: <clears throat> with that. Um, June Jordan, who look at me? Who look at me? Who see the children on their street, the torn down door, the wall complete and early losing, games of ball, the search to find a fatherhood, a mothering of mind, a multi multimillion multicolored mirror of an honest humankind? Look close and see me Black man mouth for breathing, north and south, a man. I am Black, alive, and looking back at you.
0: I am Black, alive, and looking back at you. You know, I have to say this name as we talk, you know, as we get ready to wrap up soon. Tracy Chapman. Don't that just feel like a, a hug to your, your soul? when Tracy. Just when you say that name, what? It, doesn't it, di- I could just say in a room, I'm like, hey, quiet, Tracy Chapman.
1: The embodiment of <sighs> Black delicacy, just dark skin, locks, softness, yes. introversion, depth, refusing to be marketable, in the ways that we've been told blackness should be marketable. Oh, anyways, yes.
0: No, it's it's not. It is. It say that I think <laughs> you know. Obviously, the the most recent poignant picture in my mind that's just been sitting on my mind in my heart is her performing recently um, in the year of our Lord 2024 after being away from the public gaze, public spectacle for so long and the beauty of just seeing this black woman playing her guitar lost in her own world her own, i could just tell she was in her own imagination yes and it was just so in that smile was so infectious i said i want to hug her <laughs> I said, if she actually smiled at me personally like if i saw her in person i would actually melt <laughs> like i <would." laughs> But it was so beautiful to to see her on that stage, singing her song, that came out of her imagination. It was beautiful. I, I yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> it was so, and then you know what she did? She went right back into her quiet place. <laughs> yeah, she said, "Wow, everyone's like release some new music." She said. I'm out like, okay,
0: bye. <laughs> yeah. but that's part of that I'm like alive and looking back at you it calls us to something right like you're that a alive, lot her aliveness does something to it makes me alive too right there yeah. there it was a spiritual transaction that was happening in that moment as she was saying I'm like wow I don't even care what this song is honestly so,
1: and here's and here's the here's the kicker for me The kicker for me is that in her being her authentic self um, and when she did, when she was herself, her, her authentic self way back then, before the majority of us could really understand and respect what she was doing. And then today, you know, has an award from the genre of country music, which is highly regarded as like, if you think about white gays, like. The idea of like Americana, like that is a one of the most gate kept genres out there because it, to, to be accepted in that lane is to say that something about this represents something about what it means to be American and what it means to be truly patriotic or what you know whatever. So there's so much behind that. Um, and here she comes with her song. <laughs> you know, Here she comes with her song and it speaks to the heart of so many people. And, and yet it is, it is so deeply hers and formed in her, you know, because she's never going to tell us what that song is about. There's something about not knowing um, the, this week I was reflecting on like uh, the idea of like troubadours and troubadours being these traveling storytellers who they let their songs speak for them. Um, they're not going to explain it. They're not going to tell you their background, the story, but like the song itself is what is allowed to sing and like through the song they create these moments wherever they're being like they're performing their music for whoever is there and that's it that's all you get you don't get anything else <laughs> and
0: <laughs> rose you're saying something so good because you know I'm connecting that part of for me living into this black world that Kwashi was talking about part of it is you don't get unfiltered access to me no one does there is this beauty and you don't get to know the meaning of the song you don't get to know the depths like what i write about the songs that do you know that the majority of what i write y'all will never experience the majority not not like oh y'all get 20 percent. no y'all get mm, Mm. half a percent and then y'all be like what does this really mean (laughs) That's for me. That's the the hidden door to that black world, to that clearing of my own making. Only Robert has access to. Mm-hmm. And there's a beauty in there. Like y'all not gonna get the fullness. Y'all not. Here's the story. Here's one story for you. You not for to get the rest. Like I was thinking as you were talking, I'm like, you know, we have so much love for Clint Smith and mm-hmm. his his poetry book, Above Ground. We get all this beauty of what he thinks about his children, about his his partner, um, about life. This is a short book though, where to rest at? We don't get <laughs> access to all that.
1: Yes. And, oh, for me, this is just, it, it, it comes back to Kwashi, like Quashi's working with Edouard Glissant and Glissant has this um, uh, like concept of a right to opacity and how, you know, like in blackness and our expressions of blackness, we have a right to be obscure. We have a right to be incomprehensible. We have a right to be minimally explained. We have a right to just say it the way we say it and move on. Like there, all of those things can live in that. Um, and I just remember how like before this iteration of myself, the me that was trying to cater to whiteness was looking for every kind of vocabulary word she could find to simplify yeah, yeah. And, and define herself in a way that would, would help them meet me where I was at. And it was never going to happen like that. Because if you can't meet me in yeah. my opacity, if you can't meet me in the multiplicity that I offer and in knowing that she will never fully know or be able to hold or contain like, how deeply dark and black <laughs> that I'm going to be in the world, then you don't, you don't, you don't get to know me. You don't get to say you do um, because like some part of knowing, knowing us um, is living in the wonder of us.
0: Period. Oh, you better say that living in the wonder, because there's a way of knowing that commodifies. There's a way of knowing that Rose, give it all to me. Give it, you know, give like, okay, you sang this one song, that was beautiful. I need more. I want to know, uh, no, you can't, <laughs> hands off, <laughs> you know? So it's the wonder that is the beauty. Like if you can sit in the wonder, and I actually do that with my friends, my loved ones. Um, I just want to offer this here is almost every day I sit and wonder about the people I love.
1: Mm.
0: And I'll be lost in my daydreams. I'll be like, now why did they write that on Substack? And I'll just wonder. And I'll just sit. I don't ask. I don't even question.
1: Mm. I
0: love sitting in the wonder. Mm. Like, I'll be like, Rose said this random obscure line. Mm.
1: <laughs>
0: mm. Trey said this. Sharifa, Sharifa is good to make me wonder. i would be oh like, no. and I know her. And I'll be like, now what do you mean by that girl? <laughs> i just sit in it. Sitting in the wonder allows me to appreciate those I love. I don't want to know them in a colonizing way. I I don't want to obtain them. I want to, I will never know you fully. Gotcha. That actually beckons me more. I'm like
1: because we're not here to dissect. Um, because in order to mm-hmm. dissect, you've got to kill something to and if you're gonna keep me black and alive, then you're gonna to have to not approach me with the idea that you're gonna dissect any part of me.
0: It reminds me, what was it, F T V uh back in the day had the show and the tagline was, you think you know, but you have no idea. And it was supposed to be this idea of you, like you you think you know, I, I'm thinking the one that I remember the most is Christina Aguilera's little, <laughs> like, you think you know me, but you have no idea. So take that, but actually make it real. <laughs> like, <laughs> you I think, think y'all know us, but you have no idea. And if you could sit in that wonder, what would that invite you to even about your own story? Right, even about your own aliveness, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Closing thoughts on Kwashi, the blackness, the alive. This is such a rich com I feel like it's this. When I tell you, this could be a whole course, child. I mean, maybe one day it will be. Like when I tell you.
1: <laughs> Listen, it's up here. Like-
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, if I, Rose, can I have a syllabus. Like put together stat, <laughs> like a physical copy for you. Stat. Um, don't ask her though, um, unless you go unless you go pay her. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. She got a lot of degrees. She's she not new to this. She's true to this. But close. I, I want to give you the closing thoughts um, on our conversation today.
1: Closing thoughts. I guess I'm sitting in the joy. Of, of like feeling good about being black and alive, um, because of who I am, black and alive with, um, and in this moment, that is you. And I am thinking about, like, I hope that when people hear this conversation, uh, they know that they're getting like, was it the the tip of the iceberg?
0: Yes, I was thinking that <laughs> the
1: tip of the iceberg. And, um, I think about the, what I love about poets, um, it's like, we have just this ability to just like reflect on like a tree branch and make it into like a whole thing. Um, so you magnify that by, (laughs) by, you know, being poets and being theologians and, and, and thinking about life in an intentional way, like inviting that slowness and that need and desire to be soft into our lives. And I just feel like everything feels magnified for me. And in in feeling magnified, I don't feel like the power that we have and we are sitting with is one of domination, but it's one of invitation. Um, And so I'm sitting with the reality that our expressions of being Black and alive are inviting others into a space where they can rest in their aliveness with us.
0: Black Coffee and Theology Pod is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. Follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. If you like the content that you are receiving here and want to receive more, whether that is in longer conversations, essays, devotions, and videos from either myself, Sam, or Trey, please sign up for, for our Patreon at patreon.com three black men. Don't forget to like, rate, and review Black Coffee and Theology Pod as well as Three Black Men.